<laughs> my current mood, Cable Spit. Welcome everybody into episode 21 of Justified Pursuit alongside my co-host Chisholm Cook. Chisholm, how in the world are you, my friend? Oh, pretty good. The weather's pretty nasty, but uh, I'm excited about what kind of flowers it'll bring in another two months. So trying to find the, uh, the, the yin and yang in all parts of life, I guess. I'm a little PO'd that this didn't happen in like December when it would have actually brought some mallard ducks down here to my hmm. part of the world. But uh, yeah, I, I hear you. This is definitely the worst uh, front we've had all winter by a ways. We're supposed to get like seven inches of snow uh, in, in North Texas on like Sunday night and Monday. Holy moly. Yeah. They were calling for snow earlier today, but all of those predictions seem to have uh, gone away. But it's very you like, wet outside. Uh, There's ice forming on my trees. Yeah. Well, it, it, so you mentioned flowers. I mean, you like to have a, a garden and, and, you know, pretty plants. I do too. Uh, I wouldn't say I have a green thumb, but I usually buy all the stuff and then manage to kill it uh, within a couple months. <laughs> It looks good for, you know, temporarily, but, um, you know what a hibiscus is, right? Sure. Beautiful flowers. Um, those things don't tolerate cold weather. No. And every year, you know, I don't ever pull them inside. I just let them die. And then I just get new ones the next year and they never died this winter. I mean, they're just <laughs> like thriving out there. That just tells you how, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's climate change. Maybe there's something to that. I, I who knows, but certainly didn't have much of a winter in Texas. That's for sure. Yeah, well, this one probably is going to get it, uh, going to knock those hibiscus yeah. out. But yeah, <laughs> um, we've got a lot to get into today. I think three or four big topics to hit on, and one that uh, one that I want to start with because this really just pissed me off. Seeing the owner of one of my favorite sports franchises uh, come out and and say that they're no longer playing the national anthem before Dallas Mavericks home games. And I and I thought long and hard about, you know, when the NBA put BLM on the on midcourt when they were doing the bubble thing, you know, w- whether I would still watch the games. And I, I do feel like a little bit of a dirty whore uh, for continuing to watch. But I also have an eight-year-old son who thinks Luca is like, you know, probably how I felt about Dirk. Um, and so I'm not going to tell my eight-year-old kid he can't watch the games. So it's kind of a rock and a hard place there. But I did... I, I wasn't going to, I was actually going to stop watching. Um, I think luckily the NBA gave Mark Cuban an out because they said, no, jackass, you are going to play the national anthem before the games. It's in the league policy. And not that we really care because we're the ones that put BLM on the court, uh, but it might affect our bottom line. And you're not going to do that because we all know that they don't give a shit about the actual people. It's all about their pocketbook. Yeah. I mean, I think we've made the case. Um, and, and demonstrated that fairly uh, convincingly. And I've heard an, a number of outlets since we uh, recorded that episode uh, where we talked about uh, the LeBron. NBA's communist ties. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard a number of people making basically the same argument, including Joe Rogan just like last week. So um, I just don't get it, man. Um, Cuban you know four years ago he was like positioning himself as the uh the, the kind of the moderate that w- i think the vast majority of the country would love to see run for president um you know i i know he he owns a basketball franchise and no 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 no, no. he's a governor they don't call themselves owner in the woke nba anymore that's racist oh 
excuse you, me. You, you told right. me about that Megyn Kelly interview. He referred to himself as governor of the team. That's yeah, a business. I, you own the damn business. You're the owner. I don't care I, if it involves people or not. Yeah. Um, piece of shit. His virtue signaling has... Is that too uh, much to call him a piece of shit? Uh, I mean, you know, hey, it's our podcast. <laughs> it's, it's marked explicit. <laughs> I think we're still allowed freedom of speech in this country. Um, I, yeah, like I said, man, the uh, the virtue signaling is strong with that one. It's it's uh, he has gone whole hog. Um, this is, I kind of wonder if there if there's not a if there's not just a little bit of gamesmanship there. Like to your point. Mark Cuban had to have known that it's league policy and that he would get overruled. Like, I almost wonder, you know, a lot like him hanging Kobe's jersey in the rafters, which, if I'm not mistaken, he's the only still, are they still the only franchise that did that other than LA? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, you know, I kind of wonder if, to your point about the NBA kind of bailing him out, like, did he not know it was going to go down like this and he simply did it? for virtue signaling show and you know the, i don't think be- so I, I think well you bring up a great point like maybe he is that smart he's clearly a, a very bright guy businessman um but i don't think it's smart no no right but, like it, right i, I think not. the nba saw the backlash because it was all over social media and then they you know they're taking notes and they're like wow this is this is not a good look and then I, I, because I don't think Adam Silver cares. Like he, they're all about this woke BS. Otherwise, BLM wouldn't have been on the basketball court and on the jerseys. Um, yeah, well, and he addressed it during the finals when he said we're gonna kind of move on from that phase. Because, um, right. yeah, I won't try to I put words into his mouth. It's, it's out there, but he basically said, yeah, that it didn't. You know, we we still we still support the cause, but we uh, we don't support the hit to our pocketbook. And uh, yeah. I mean, maybe Cubans angle here is there's enough um you know it, it it's kind of like a fox news you know or or you know newsmax or whoever taking a quote conservative bend and saying deliberately hey we know that you know this only appeals to 45 percent of the american population but that's okay because that's 150 million people that uh will help drive revenue to us right maybe maybe um Maybe Cubes' sort of take on the lay of the land is, you know, there's now enough people in America that, you know, do see symbols of this nation like the flag and the national anthem as, uh, you know, examples of institutional racism that by taking this virtuous stand, you know, he'll actually just bolster the business or maybe he does believe that this country in which he became a billionaire three times over is... Uh, horrible and despicable um yeah and evil to its core um you know i, I know that which the, the the podcast you just referenced which i highly recommend everybody listen to when he went on with megan kelly and she, oh, she him tore him a new one, one. yeah she yeah. did man like she played nice and patty cake with him for like 45 minutes and then all of a sudden she's like hey let's talk about you guys ties to communist china and how yeah. y'all just bend over for them and you know he didn't have a defense he got all pissy and you know got all self-righteous like how dare you challenge me and she just to her credit man stuck to her guns that lady is tough um and made him look terrible i mean do you agree like oh yeah for sure and and his answer to the not only that the communist china thing but also the whole blm thing she took him to task for because she's like look dude 
the most of the nation is fine with the BLM movement, but you put BLM on your courts and, you know, he couldn't really differentiate uh, between right. its founding, how, you know, who founded it, which we've talked about. Yeah, the, the, the org and the movement. The Marxist right. part yeah, of it. Yeah. And, the B, and, and the NBA never, re, you know, it, it was, a, I think it was horrible, personally. Um, like I said, it made me feel like a, a, a hooker just watching that crap. Um, the last time we talked about it, I told my, my, my take was, Hey man, you know, you can, uh, enjoy a product and not necessarily have to support like, you know, the, the same positions its creator takes. Right. Um, I will say that, that this move from the governor of your home team, yeah. uh, muddies that a bit to me. I, I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying you shouldn't watch the games or, you know, that you should pro or, you know, certainly keep. Henry from doing so, but, um, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I guess kudos have to, to go back Silver to college for... basketball and just watching more of that, I suppose. Cause I just love the game, you know, I, I don't want to not watch sure. it. Um, but I don't know when nationalism became taboo. Like, and I'm, I'm I had to, I had to look it up just to make sure I understood hundred percent. You know, I feel like nationalism is just like national pride, but it's an idea and movement that promotes the interest of a particular nation, especially with the aim of gaining and maintaining the nation's sovereignty over its homeland, which is, I mean, what it should be. And it should, where did this sense of pride that like we all, I don't, I don't know a time when I haven't felt proud to be an American. And now that's like a, a shameful thing. Like I shouldn't be proud of my country because now we're inherently racist. And, uh, I, 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 I said I, I have in a group text with some of my my oldest friends, older than you even, going back to like uh, junior high, and one of them is pretty woke. My youngest brother is pretty woke, and I said, "Well, I guess I've I said I I don't know if I'm going to quit watching the games on TV, but I've certainly gone to my last Dallas Mavericks game. I'm not going to buy a hundred dollar ticket, buy a twelve dollar beer, and give that money to something that you know I don't believe in." Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and they were like. Well, one of them said, well, they don't play the national anthem in other countries. And I, you know, I certainly dropped the F-bombs and I was like, I don't give a F about what they do in other countries. I don't think All that's those other true. countries want to be our country. You know, I, I mean, I know like, that every hockey game in Canada, they play the Canadian national anthem. In fact, they play it just like, when the Canadian it? team visits a United, an American team. My mom and but dad I, used to tell me when, when other kids would get to do things that I wanted to do, but, you know, because of our Christian values, you know. Or even just like um, spring break as a senior. A, a lot of my classmates got to go to Mexico. My parents were like, there's no way you're going to Mexico at 18 years old by yourself. Um, and they were like, just because other people do it doesn't mean that we are. Dude, like, I don't think it's even true in the first place. I, I, I hear, don't either. I, I hear what you're getting at, but I, I have watched foreign sporting matches, dude. I, I just I don't – I mean, there may be a few countries where they yeah. don't. But generally speaking, national anthems and sports kind of go hand in hand. Right. You know, right. I can guarantee you that in an international competition, it does. In the Olympics, whoever wins gold, their national anthem is getting played while the medals are being hung around their neck. Yes, and it I'm gives me sure. chills I mean, to see it when the when the U.S. wins gold or you're in, up there on that platform. You, I think at times you've watched uh, Premier League soccer. I, I'm pretty sure they play those anthems before those games, right? Yeah, and my another yeah. example that I gave to him was like in some of those European countries – they're so racist that they play home games in front of empty stadiums 
uh, re- this is before COVID. Like they throw bananas at the black players and call them the N word. And then right. they're, the league bans them from having home games. And people think that the U.S. is so racist. Give me a freaking break, man. This is this country is – I'm so sick of this woke bullshit uh, that we have to bend the knee to what, what I believe is just a propagated lie put out there by social media. It's not like police officers are out there hunting black men. Um, that's, that's actually something Megyn Kelly said to Mark Cuban. And that was an example. I mean, like, it's just, it's not even true. And and all of these people want to move to the United States. You know, the line forms to the left. Why are they trying to move here if we're so racist, if it's so bad here? I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of just at my wits end, if you can't tell already. But uh, this, this was like just Mark Cuban doing that was. And then, and then you have the, um, I'm going to have to look up which committee it was, but uh, you have the. Um, I sent you the text today. Democrats just voted against reciting the Pledge of Allegiance before Judiciary Committee hearings. Again, nationalism being shunned. That's taboo. Now we can't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Politicians that we've elected in 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 the greatest country in the world that should have a national sense of pride and should take pride in their job won't even say the Pledge of Allegiance? What? I know, man. I, I don't, uh, you know, I think one of the... I want to just uh, wrap myself up in an American <laughs> flag and wear it for the rest of, like, I don't know, 2021, maybe. You don't like it? Piss on you. One of my optimistic takes uh, since the, the start of the year in one of our episodes was that I do believe that um, that the woke scolds will overplay their hand um, all the way up to the president uh, and and uh, drive uh, a serious backlash in 2022, 2020, yeah, whatever, the 2022 election season. Uh, and every one of these things from, you know, getting rid of the words mother and father, son and daughter to yeah, banning the actual anthem to, you know, banning the Pledge of Allegiance uh that that you know they're <laughs> we'll see man uh we'll see if that uh if that holds up but you know on your question about nationalism you know it, there's a history of nationalism that goes back to world wars one and two right and like for example the the nazis were the nationalist socialist party that's yes. what the word nazi stood for which is interesting because in this country we've split, you know, somehow the really funny thing about the socialist men is that they don't realize that to be socialist, you have to be nationalist. You have to be because well, no one ever ex- said they were smart. Chism. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but think about it. Right. And, and this was Bernie before Bernie got woke. Right. Bernie was anti-immigration for like 30 years, hardcore anti-immigration because his, uh, you know, at least stated goal was American workers, right? Protecting American workers and, you know, immigration, particularly illegal immigration undermined the American worker. And when you, and, and he knows, cause he's a dyed in the wool quote socialist, that if you're going to give everybody free healthcare and free education and da, 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 da then you need to have some boundaries about around which that's going to be offered. Right. Um, and so, so those two things go hand in hand, man. Like, 
look at the fact that you can't go into the country of North Korea or into Venezuela anymore or into, you know, Soviet Russia at its peak, right? Or into China. Like you have to jump through all kinds of hoops just to go into those countries on a business trip, right? Some of them don't even just like in North Korea's example, just there's no really no way to do it. Why aren't more people encouraging like me? And that's because they're they're offering their people, quote unquote, a utopia. And, you know, they realize the more mouths that they have to feed, the harder that is to achieve. Right. So kind of getting back to my point, like if you want to take this country towards socialism, you, you probably need to get on board with a pretty concrete national identity right right um so, so it doesn't make sense from that perspective but to your point it, you know it was just in man i feel like until colin kaepernick took a knee it was the status quo in america that you were a proud american period yeah. fuck um, that guy too <laughs> you're fired up today i am dude i'm sick of it man i'm sick of it i mean it, it, I, I, obviously i haven't been working on my language because uh, mm -hmm. maybe this topic just brings out the worst in me so i apologize for that but i'm i'm fucking over it dude i'm just i'm at my wits end no it's I'll exhausting man. jeez you know what that's the reality though is if he could play football he'd still have a job he oh, sucks at football too so right. everyone's like oh it's, it's being blackballed he's right he, you he know got... by, it's racist governors <laughs> the governors blackballed him uh no the guy sucks that's his problem you can right. hit a woman and come back and play uh or kick <laughs> one see kareem hunt uh playing for the browns playing quite well actually um but no you can't you know if he could play surely taking a knee uh wouldn't be the reason to keep him out of the nfl well especially now right right i mean especially now with their you know, new positions on all these things, right? Now you're in the minority if you don't take a knee. So he's making more money as a martyr than he was ever going to make in the NFL. And that's just the bottom line. They gave him an opportunity to come back and he screwed it around and wouldn't even show up. That was right. just a year ago, if that. Yeah. So, yeah, we all know, we all know Caps. Anybody oh, who's paying attention and being honest about the situation knows Caps MO, man. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like socialism, obviously. Uh, and, one thing that Biden's doing or is, is trying to do, and he's talked about it, I don't know how far they've advanced it here in the first month of him being in office, whatever. Uh, but the federal minimum wage, dude, I'm, I'm looking at a picture today of Kroger launching yeah. its first ever pilot for an entirely self-checkout store, meaning all of those uh, baggers, all of those clerks, now they don't have jobs. And this is, I mean, this is one store, but if it's successful, which why wouldn't it be? We have self-checkouts at most stores now. Um, then those jobs are gone across the board because it's a lot damn cheaper to buy those machines than have to pay a human $15 an hour. Uh, so good job creating jobs, Biden. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this about minimum wage stuff. I, I, I know the sort of traditional conservative economist take on it seems to generally make sense to me. You raise, you mandate a raise in wages and that makes everything cost more. Right. And, and therefore yeah. the people making seven fifty or whatever it is right now really won't be in a much better position at 15. No, um, they won't be six months later. They'll be kind of just as broke as they were because everything else will go up to eat that cost increase. Right. Um, which yeah. is why, 
you know, the left says capitalism is, is evil in the first place. If nobody cared about profit, we, we could just, we wouldn't have these problems, I guess. But, uh, you know, profit drives innovation and uh, left is um, become the, the <laughs> somehow simultaneously the party of socialism and of big corporations. Uh, all of so them are trying to maximize their profits. I heard a quote, um, I heard a quote this week the guy who shared it said it has been, it has been credited to John Lennon, although he said that John Lennon never said it. So maybe it, it, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of myths that, that nobody knows where the quote came from, but that the, uh, the basically the communists say the, the, the beauty of something like the, the, uh, the communists won't really even have to do anything that, that, that the evils of cap, that, that the evil capitalists will basically undermine themselves. And when you look at the big tech and, and other big, big American corporate interests um, that that are driving small businesses out of business, whether that's, you know, by undermining them, you know, uh, on price, the Walmart sort of history of, of driving mom and pop shops out to, you know, shutting down the whole damn world for COVID for a year now, where all we have to rely on is Amazon and other tech companies to deliver our food. The rich get richer. The rich get richer. And and then, you know, because all of them want the ability to service the 1.5 billion people over in China, then they're all very sympathetic to, you know, this communist agenda. And it, it makes it hard to see where it's You know who the most racist people up. are is the, the elitists like that, in my opinion. Oh, no like doubt, they're, dude. They're the ones that oppress, 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 and then give you just enough handouts to where you keep voting for them. But now that now the, the elites control the government, that's the difference. It, you know, uh, I, I used to feel like at least we could at least we had a voice and we have some say in, in, in government. But now all these billionaires are dictating policy. Um, yeah. One thing that keeps me half sane is I kind of wonder if we ever did, man. I really do. I mean, you can go all the way back to. um was president coming out of World War II. Um, the president that had the quote about beware of the military industrial complex, which Trump picked up that banner. Hmm. <clears throat> there have been sort of behind the scenes covert powers pulling strings in this country for at least 70 years now. And I, I I just think that, you know, the difference today is that yeah, Eisenhower, that was an Eisenhower quote, beware of the military industrial mm -hmm. complex. Um, you know, his, his point at the time was we get into wars, not because we have a fight to take to somebody, but because this quote, military industrial complex wants us to, because that's how they keep themselves in business. Right. And that's still the case today. Um, you know, you just add to it Silicon Valley and, you know, the big, uh, you know, no, I hate the, the biggest... fact that, uh, like it makes me almost feel like I wish someone would attack U.S. soil again. I don't want Americans to die. Uh, so it's kind of a ironic thing to say, but like, remember how we all felt after nine 11 guarantee you that would, that would fix a lot of this. A lot of the things that we're seeing in this country, as far as shunning nationalism shunning the flag 
distancing from things like the Pledge of Allegiance? I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not saying I hope we get attacked, but it wouldn't the the byproducts of it might alleviate some of this stuff that's got me so pissed off. Man, but I would argue that um, that was just the immediate reaction. I'd also argue we might want to edit out that part as you, the way you teed that up and I'm not gonna edit it still out. have the conversation. I'm not uh, editing it out. I just say I'm saying and I don't and I'm let me be I know, clear. I'm, I'm not saying I want anyone to die. I don't want Americans to die. Right. But I sure felt great. I get what you're saying that that yeah. that, that when our backs are against you're the wall singing, when Americans singing kumbaya sort of, and everything else and right. But then it wasn't very long after that that this schism that we see now in this country uh, really began to take shape and then widen. And, you know, like everything else, there are almost a countless number of reasons for that. It happened to coincide with the rise of social media as well, right? But, I mean, right off the bat, you had conspiracy theorists saying it was an inside job. Um, you had uh, you had the government using it as an excuse to uh, surveil American citizens, right? Fast forward, uh, what? Uh, 20 years later now and the Capitol riot is an excuse to not only start further surveilling American citizens but there have actually been people on CNN making the claim that that we should use freaking drone attacks on American citizens like we did during the war on terror on CNN they're saying this yeah man CNN is running pieces where they're saying we should they're they're reporters they're commentators are saying we should wipe out americans with drones on our own soil if they're considered domestic terrorists they're they're advocating that we should consider Ooh. using the same techniques we use on foreign terrorists and their argument is we had american citizens join al-qaeda and isis during the last 20 years who were taken out by drone strikes on foreign soil so like what's the difference but the truth is you heard those rumors during the obama administration the idea that because he was the one that did it. And it was like, wait, how do we even, is this constitutional? Is this legal to take an American citizen out with a drone strike, even though it's overseas and this guy had clearly joined the quote enemy, right? These people are saying, what's the difference if they're in Iraq or if they're here, if they're a domestic terrorist, right? Hmm. Um, yeah, man, they're saying that. And, uh, you know, General Stanley McChrystal, who I talked a little bit about, I guess we didn't really bring him up too much on the podcast uh, episode last time, but you know, he sort of swooped right in after January 6th and was like, Hey, this is a, what we have here is an insurgency. And, and, you know, our government, uh, our, our military industrial complex has become experts at rooting out and combating, uh, uh, combating insurgency with counterinsurgency tactics. We should, uh, you know, we could certainly look at how to do that here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's gonna get worse before it gets better, man. Jeez, you know. So yeah. I, I put that the link to that article of the night that the day that Cuban came out and said that, and you would not believe how many people on Facebook told me to quit making it political, just watch the game. And I was like, "Are you freaking? How stupid are you as a person to 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 have this stance?" That I'm the one that made it political. All I did was react to a political stance. That that the the fans never made it political in, in any of these sporting events. The players did, and then the owners followed suit in the leagues. We didn't make it political. Mark Cuban's the one that made a political stance that I reacted to. So I was like, but they're like point. I don't know, man. That's just like maybe just another microcosm of this woke ideology. Like 
they interpreted oh. that as me being political. How in the hell was I the one that was being political? You ever gotten into an argument with somebody who's... Um, I try not to because it's like beating your head into a wall. Well, no. I, <laughs> who's like um, constantly taking this false high road on you. Like they're, they're, they're poking at you and egging you on. And then when you get pissed, they're like, why are you getting mad, bro? Right. Right. Calmer than you, dude. Yeah, exactly. The the left is becoming just that's all, that's like one of their f- sort of fundamental tools in their toolbox, right? To to because they believe they're righteous and right, a hundred percent beyond question. Anybody who challenges it, they can use any tool that at their disposal to dismiss it. One of those is to just claim that it's yeah you that made the abandonment of the national anthem a political issue. Right. How is it not a political issue, man? I face that in this deal I'm work, kind of working on here that we've talked about in the neighborhood where, you know, as a 501c3, our HOA can't really take a side in a political issue for because you can you can jeopardize your 501c3 status. And the people that wanted us to like intervene as a as a as an organization you know, with the city's decision-making process for like, this is a quality of life thing. It's not a political thing. And I was like, I told him, I was like, y'all are asking us to go in to a city council meeting and lobby your case as an organization against the politicians that run our city. Therefore, by definition, you're asking us to engage in politics. Like there's not really any way around that. Right. And I, I face the same thing. We've talked about the vaccine thing. I'm still of the opinion that right now, first of all, I'm not in line uh, I'm not in one of the, it's a non-issue so far, right? But at some point, I guess there'll be a vaccine available for a man in my demographic. I still have no intention of taking it. Not anytime soon. I'm going to wait until about 24 months down the road and see if a zombie apocalypse has occurred and uh, may take it then. But the reality is between being O positive blood type, which is shown to have milder to no effects from contracting the virus um to and my sister who was also o positive lived with a husband who had it for a week and didn't get it so i have some anecdotal close indication that there may be something to that to the fact that i'm in shape and generally if you're not suffering from one of five major health conditions you've got a you know 99% chance of surviving this thing greater than that yeah i i just don't see a need and i got into a text thread recently with some buddies of mine from law school and one of them was proposing a, a a reunion in Vegas in August to have our, you know, fantasy football draft there. And the way he teed it up was, you know, assuming that life's getting back to normal and we all have our vaccines. In other words, he wouldn't, you know, join up with a bunch of other 39 to 40 year old buddies unless we'd all been vaccinated. And I replied, F your vaccine. And I was just joking because all day long. It hit, well, I wasn't joking about my position right. on it, but the way I approached it was a joke because we had been, the whole thing is just busting each other's balls. Like that's the whole purpose of the text thread. And him and this other guy, both of whom are very, very much left of center. This guy in particular actually <laughs> was running some sort of bottle trade out of Beijing. Oh. <clears throat> he, um, you know, they dogpiled on me and told me I was, like just basically too stupid to live. Like how could I ignorant? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I replied and said, listen, I'm, 
I'm not in the demographic. The statistics on this are abundantly clear. Are there anomalous instances where somebody in my general health and all that have passed? Yeah, but they're the fast. I mean, they're an infinitesimal, infinitesimally small percentage of people who have passed from this thing. I'm not going to live in fear of this thing. And I'm not going to take a vaccine right now that not only, you know, hasn't been thoroughly tested gone it didn't go through any sort of animal testing like any other damn drug in the history of this country would have gone through but it hasn't even been proven to be all that effective at stopping the virus or stopping its spread so what's the hell's the point i'm not taking it and that got i was told that i had that I, that, that was a political position it's not a political <laughs> position i'm educated on the matter because i've paid attention That's it's political. got nothing to do with politics what does healthcare have to do with that's right. Is Why that, is my we're not talking about policy? We're just talking about your opinion right. on what drug you're willing to put in your body. And and the funny is thing political? is, much like some of the other stuff we're about to talk about, the left looks at everything as politics. Everything, everything as politics. Therefore, nothing is politics, right? Unless you have a disagreement with them, yeah. and then you're the one making it political. But they look at everything as politics. So anyway, yeah. Well. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about this NYU study, because this is something that irked me as well. Um, so this was a study that they just, uh, they just released on whether or not right-wingers are actually censored on social media. And I didn't want to say right-wingers might be too extreme, just conservatives in general. And right. uh, they came out and they said that, of course, their study found that it was fake news. And that the right is treated the same as the left on on social media. Guess who paid for the survey, for the study? Facebook right. paid for it. <laughs> so this is almost more offensive than their independent fact checker claim that they like to put on stuff. Uh, because they paid for this study just to have it proliferated out there that they're fair when we all know that that's not true. And, and here's a prime example of on the same day that they that this, this study came out from NYU, uh, Facebook banned ads claiming or, or um, promoting the it's not a recall. What, what do they do in, in California with Newsom? What are they? What is the terminology? Oh, no, yeah, it's a it's a recall. There's a petition. Recall. Okay. Recall. Yeah. Which so on the same day that they said that, again. yeah. So on the same day that they, this study said, uh, right wing censorship is fake news. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. It never has. Facebook banned ads calling for the recall, promoting the recall. The irony. It's it's just inexplicable, man. Like. How could anyone believe that when you see in, in basically the same breath as this study coming out, they're saying, okay, uh, well, Gavin Newsom, who comes from a wealthy family, who is certainly an elitist, is friends with all the billionaires. Yeah, did you know uh, he's like he's like Nancy Pelosi's nephew? Well, I just, I just heard <laughs> where that. Where there's smoke, there's fire, Chisholm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they want Gavin Newsom around because he's in, there, he's, he's in bed with them. And so they're like, okay, we're not going to let you talk bad about our boy. We don't want this recall to happen. Uh, meanwhile, he's running the state into the ground. It's We've all known that California has been a shithole for two decades. But right now they're like financially crumbling. And 
uh, I'm seeing it where I live. I don't know if, if Californians are flocking to South Texas like they are North Texas, dude, but uh, it's it's just an endless drove of California transplants showing up here. They're hitting, they're hit. Um, well, remember when we were in uh, Boise a couple years ago and our Uber driver yeah. told us that all of them were moving there too? And like, he's like, this, it just sucks. Boise is not what it used to be. We've got all these commies moving in from California. They're doing it in Montana. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, back to that study. I mean, it. They're call. The, here's what really it should have said is, um, or w- what I got out of it is, say they're saying this is is fake news, but really the fake news is your study. I mean, that's that's the the bottom line is you're putting this bullshit out there. People are soaking it up and just taking it for face value. Yeah, I mean, not to uh, mix up our run sheet too badly, but this time. Uh, magazine article that we're going to discuss written by this lady named Molly Ball. She straight up admits on behalf of a group of people, powerful people who, who rallied together to make this happen at their basic request. She admits that one of the tools that they use to quote, protect the integrity of the 2020 presidential election was to basically demand force lobby Silicon Valley to censor um, any news that was detrimental to Biden and Hunter Biden scandal. Right. Which has been proven to have been a hundred percent on the up and up. Right. Like that, that, that was, that laptop was real. The contents on it were real and they suppressed it, squashed it, made it. 80 million people hate Trump so much that they just don't give a shit. Yeah, well, I mean, if you remember, there were there was a lot of people claiming that around October, there were people who had already sent in their mail-in ballots who were Googling, like the like the, one of the top trending Google questions was, can I change my mail-in vote? Because, you know, as hard as they tried to suppress it, that news was still getting out there. And again, dude, the left was reporting on it a year prior to that, when they were trying to kill Biden off before he even got running. Uh, in retrospect, I don't know why they bothered because he's clearly far more left than he uh, led the state of South Carolina to believe when they paved the way to his nomination. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a, it's a, it, <laughs> I mean, any, any study coming out of NYU trying to claim, you know, well, any, oh, damn near any university, but especially a university like NYU trying to claim, you know, a lack of bias in, in American media. I mean, give me a break. Like I almost, you know, it's, it's interesting to talk about, but I don't care. Everybody knows better than that, dude. You know, I will say one thing that's interesting. And that is that in Facebook's case in particular, they get attacked by the left as harder, harder as any of these companies get attacked by the right, because the top like five of the top you know like eight facebook pages out there are conservative news outlets ben shapiro um uh uh, dan bongino you know two or three four others or whatever like they their original algorithms were all just based on you know on clicks and appeal Mm -hmm. and so they you know that's what a a lot of americans are interested in, in, in finding and so they built those guys like facebook is kind of the reason that the daily wire exists uh this the the reach that they were able to uh you know create through that that outlet now they're clearly trying to get you know put the 
genie back in the bottle. But, you know, but again, just look at what these people coming on CNN are saying, it's claiming that Fox should be deplatformed from cable news, from cable uh, subscriptions. And, you know, they're, what was it, the, that one Facebook executive that came out and said that, you know, we're not sitting here saying we should uh, necessarily deplatform or, you know, or censor. Same dude that paid for the NYU study, uh, right. the bald fat guy. I can't remember his name. Right. Not saying we should censor conservative or delete them, right? Conservative news outlets. But what we should do is, you know, rejigger all of our algorithms so that they don't get any eyeballs, right? Right. They're, they're, they're saying it's an atrocity. I, hate, I, I realize I use that word way too much. That it's a, that it's a, a major problem that, you know, the, the, the Daily Wire, Shapiro's outlet, has more followers, more views, more, you know, engagement than CNN. Like they're, they're, they're like, oh, how, how could this can't be? We can't allow this. Their well, term they like to use is disinformation. That's, that's their thing. They're like, you're, you're guilty of disinformation and now you're deplatformed. Right. When more it's than likely, di- dude. it wasn't disinformation. It was information that you didn't want people to know about. Right. So then you're going to coin the term disinformation and throw that out there. All they do is deny reality and try to reshape reality in the image that they want to create, man, from, you know, all of it. They, they're, they're quote unquote, they, <laughs> the Royal, they, their refusal to accept the results of the 2016 election, which I know we've touched on this, but you can Google Pelosi and Clinton and you name it, claiming that that election was stolen. And now to say that is uh, damn near criminal. Um their refusal to accept the results of that, to accept the fact that Hillary, they ran out there the worst candidate in American history and Hillary, Hillary Clinton to refuse to learn anything from that, to um, refuse to look at their news content and wonder why these online sources, these podcasts and various other outlets get, you know, like orders of magnitude, more engagement than they get. They blame it on what? Like, I guess American ignorance is their excuse or you know to your point dude on, on ben shapiro's twitter it's all leftists that are replying to him and calling him a moron <laughs> like they're the right. ones that are giving him all the traction yeah yeah, yeah. but but uh, they, they they don't 90 they, they say it's a problem that those outlets get more get more eyeballs yet they first of all created the algorithms and the platforms by which that happened but second of all maybe they get more because their product is superior to what CNN's running out there. And you would think that at some point, the powers that be in traditional media and the powers that be in Silicon Valley would notice and, and maybe accept that and work on themselves, but they're not going to do that because they have their agenda. They're seeking utopia and they'll move mountains to force it down everybody's throats right to basically brainwash everybody into their group think you said the word superior and that's going to transition us into something that i i haven't studied up on uh but you were uh talking about it off the air and that is that uh i guess this this case against yale university basically yale's weeding out superior students when don't you want superior everything like the best of the best like i know i certainly do like just in life in general um, and so I guess Yale had too many Asian and too many white kids for their liking and they were the better students or like maybe in the, the Asians in process. particular. Yeah. yeah. And so they started trying to weed them out. Uh, and I, I guess who, who brought the case against Yale? 
Well, like, like I said, educate uh, so, us on that. Yeah. Um, check the show notes because you'll. I'll need to back up. This these. is interesting. Yeah. So, so as I understand it, a a um, somewhat uh, a group, a almost class action of uh, of quote Asian, and you know that's just a general moniker for you know people from all over the Far East, right? There, there's Koreans in there, Japanese in there, Chinese in there, you know, you name it. But, um, you know, generally, if there's at all a shared culture among them, it's that they're quite studious. <laughs> they do yep. real well in school in America. Um, they were getting rejected from elite universities, despite being, you know, very top of their class, but not just that, but, you know, learning you know, two or three different instruments and speaking two or three different languages and having, you know, two or three different uh, extracurricular, like for, you know, nonprofit type charities that they were engaged in, right? All the stuff Sound that like it takes to excellent human beings. Yeah, dude. I mean, contributing right. members of society and on all fronts, these people. Exactly. Destined uh, to be doctors and, and leaders for sure. Right. Butt kickers who were raised by tiger moms who were, you know, ready to go to academic war, right? Like, mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, they were getting, they claim, deliberately discriminated against. So like I said, I believe, and I, again, I'll, I'll kind of Google this up and put it in the show notes, but I believe there's a lawsuit ongoing between at least one, maybe several of these groups that have uh, tried to tried to basically sue in, in federal civil, you know, federal court, civil court. They're being discriminated against. Well, in the meantime, under the Trump uh, DOJ, the Department of Justice, based on these people raising this claim, began their own uh, investigations into it and uh, had uh, I think brought formal charges two years ago against Yale in particular because wow. uh, diving into the records it was un it was undeniable that Asian students had been deliberately discriminated against in favor of other uh, minority classes and it, you know it's funny like I mentioned before the call you know if it was a straight up meritocracy then these Asian students would represent like 90% of Yale's campus. If it was straight up based on grades and extracurriculars and performance of a human being up to 18 years of age, they would dominate the school, despite being one of the smallest minority groups in America. I think Asians make up like 8% of the population. Okay. They would make up like 80% of top tier uh, university enrollment. So, you know, they were again that they, they, they had i remember it coming out at the time and there were you know emails good and, more and, room and for my kids at the state school <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were written policies there were all sorts of things that the doj dust kicked up proving yeah they were deliberately holding back asians um and again which is hilarious right under under the under the auspices and protection of uh of affirmative action right well you know, affirmative action was supposed to help get minorities a yep. leg up, right? Well, <laughs> this is where it comes down to, and, and Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, an attack on competence. Communism at its root, they try to claim that, this, that differences in, uh, in groups, differences in society, you can explain it all based on, on race, right? But some of those differences can be explained by merit, work ethic, competency, right? Drive, desire. Yeah. So 
you know, I don't think anybody, I'm not aware of any study out there that proves that Asians have higher, like born native IQs than any other, you know, group you could classify in the United States, Mm -hmm. but they hustle their asses off because it's a cultural thing. Right. Right. Getting bees is a non-option if you were raised in an Asian American family. So even though they represent a smaller portion of the population than uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latinx, <laughs> uh, Don't you know, even. Black, black American, I'm obviously making a, a point in the joke. I know. Uh, the black Americans well, and Chisholm's frankly, got jokes now. I love it. Yeah. And frankly, white Americans, uh, they're having to be held back because they're just too damn good at school. And that if they were, uh, you know, again, a meritocracy in those colleges, then they would be disproportionately represented. So, you know, at some point, you can wash all of the, you know, minority status, you know, intersectional politics shit away. And, and it comes down to, Peterson always talks about, if you need to hire a plumber, are you going to pick a plumber based on their gender or racial identity? Or are you going to pick a plumber based on reviews of their performance doing other plumbing jobs? Right. <laughs> when, you, when, you're, when your shitter is not flushing you know when your shitter's full you you call a plumber that is good at plumbing anyway man um yeah so so getting back to the point so so i believe there's there are there's a lawsuit maybe multiple lawsuits still pending but the department of justice had an investigation and i believe charges sort of pending uh you know a formal investigation going against yale in particular that last week uh the new administration dropped they dropped it in a four sentence um like notice give me one second this report from npr says so a minority group is experiencing injustice discrimination yep and the party and the president that's going to end discrimination drops the case (laughs) right yeah that makes total sense man Right, oh. because because the newest, yeah, uh, I mean the, the the new push for quote equity means that it doesn't matter how small a minority you may come from, if your people are thriving and another minority group is for perhaps not, then I mean it, it's that thing we've talked about the two, the Sunday before the election when Kamila tweeted out her little one and a half minute spiel about equity over equality. She dismisses the concept of equality, which was what Martin Luther King begged for mm-hmm. back in the sixties, equality of opportunity. She's now, and they are now arguing for equity and the kind of image of, of equity portrayed you know, she points out it, it, there is no equity unless we all end up in the same place. That means holding back achievers and propping up those who, for whatever reason, aren't. And I, I think I've, I've said before, I do believe in trying to find ways to take the most uh, unfortunate among us and give them a, you know, give them a place to start from that's better than where they're at now or where their ancestors were at. Right. But I don't believe to do so, we should undermine the achievements of say Asian Americans who we need as doctors and engineers, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
you want to help certain communities in this country, I'm all for that. But not to the detriment, not to the holding back. It's, it's what we've talked about with regards to communism in general. It's not a race to bring everyone up. It's a race to bring everybody down to the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. You know, she showed this little image of three very three three men trying to look over a fence of different height men three three beings trying to look over a fence of different heights and uh, you know the picture was equal opportunity means that uh, that we all stand on the same ground but the tallest can see over the fence and then the medium height person can't see and the shortest person can't see either so we've got to put boxes under the shorter two people so that everybody can see over the fence. You know, you know, kind of in the same vein, I also read, um, and I don't, I don't remember if he was going to do this through executive order because he's real good at that. Uh, yeah. He says before he's elected, no, I, I need to get the votes. Uh, I believe executive orders is a sign of a dictator, right. and then he rifles through like thirty-two executive orders in his first week, which I think Trump had three and Obama had four. So there's your recent track yeah. record on no he, he, he is right he's on pace to, he's freaking he's already done more than mo- those, than those other two or any other president had done in a year now at this point or something like that yeah but so anyway uh i saw this little snippet about how they're going to try to get away or do away with zoning laws um like nationally yes yes i don't know how they're going to enforce it or like what they're what what the means to the end is there but that's what their goal is uh which there's a reason why people move to the suburbs. It isn't the racist thing. It's the schools are better and there's less crime. You know, if you want to say that's racist, whatever, but there's, there's black people, there's Asian people, there's Indian people in my neighborhood. And when we were looking for a place to live, we didn't say, let's go to the whitest neighborhood. My wife and I looked at the ratings of the schools and then we decided to move there. Yeah. I think we may be confusing zoning and um, uh, that suburban thing a little kind of mixing the, the two up but uh no you know, like I, houston texas does not have zoning laws right. like you could have a shanty next to a mansion right right well from a so most zoning effects that's true but also look at it more from like you could have a strip club next to a cvs mm-hmm. ne- next to a house right there's no de- delineation of residential no, area no 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 this this was more areas. of them moving in low budget housing into the suburbs was what the point of this was so yeah okay I don't, is so that so maybe- so, re- so residential zoning in particular yes yeah. yes uh-huh yeah um i get that okay i see where i see what you're saying and i see where they're so, why do, i mean well, i don't agree you live with in a, you doing. live outside of the city for a reason too why do you live there chisholm yeah i mean because it's a nicer quality of life out here for sure so but now they want to they want to put some low-budget housing in there and then what the thing is is that what comes with low-budget housing is crime and that's why people move out of the city uh, congestion traffic all kinds of stuff sure. all this yeah all that stuff but so i mean it's like i don't know it's just just something that i that i read that was like oh yeah just one more thing that makes zero sense but well yeah i mean going back it, to what made me think hey. of it was your your thing about you know equity and and, and com camila's um alliteration there with the boxes and we have to everyone has to start in the same deal uh, so now right. we're going to have this anyway yeah i mean it's just a it's just a new version of busing which she supported even though like 70 percent of uh black americans did not support back in the mm-hmm. 70s or whenever that was right mm-hmm. so 
because you know if if you take folks and you move them into you know a, a community where you know they're not fully you know maybe they don't have the income or whatever it would be to uh you know excel in that new sort of new surroundings that you know it you can foresee problems there right in school in uh you know job creation i don't know man at the same time you know having people living in housing projects you know in the in the ghetto is a problem too but it's just a perfect example of why the federal government should stay the shit out of local everything right mm -hmm. like they're going to overreach that would cause all sorts of unintended consequences because they don't understand or realize that everything every action has multiple equal and opposite reactions right yeah. they 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 i do i i where one of the things that i evolved from in our conversations so far in 2021 was assuming bad intentions of my adversaries. I do believe most of these people are absolutely committed and believe that they can engineer a better society. The problem is in the history of mankind that they've proven they can't. Right. And, and, you know, somebody was making the point the other day, you hate the American system, you hate the constitution, you hate capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. Tell me what you're going to replace it with after you burn it down. Because we know what happens when you go communist, communist slash socialist, right? We, we've, we've seen that just in the yeah. last 70 years. Um, so, so again, what are you going to replace it with? Yeah. You want, you know, Liz Warren likes to say, I've got a plan for that. And she holds up a thousand page document. Okay. The, so you're going to dictate. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Indian lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, something you said there made me think of that, of the federal, minimum wage thing again like and I, I don't remember if we've talked about this off the air or or on the podcast but like 15 dollars in new york city is one thing a 15 dollar minimum wage in mobile alabama would cripple that business you know it's not the same you know the cost of living in new york city is way way more you don't a, a eight or nine dollar minimum wage would be this you know equivalent to a 15 dollar minimum wage in new york city but yet in an attempt to make everything fair, you know, we're going to make it $15 across the board. Well, uh, what you said was they should stay the hell out of local uh, policy. And, and uh, that made me think of like, yeah, well, of course they're going to do that. And the next thing, you know, in all of these more rural, uh, less populated areas, these businesses are just going to crumble. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the biggest problem with the quote coastal elites is that they don't really have a clue nor do they seem to care one bit about the distinctions um as you go region to region across this country uh, but you know there's also the cynical approach which i guarantee is at least part of the rationale which is hey if we give everybody making below 15 dollars an hour a raise to 15 dollars an hour guess who they'll vote for in two years same as more free you know, shit vote for us here you go no different than you know erasing their student loan debt right it's yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my check. Buying their 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 indoor all of the student homes. debt that my wife and I accrued because they're going to pay us back, right? Because we paid off our debt, they're going to pay us back for that. They don't count. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what though? There will be speaking of class action lawsuits, there will be a litany of those of people just like you and I who paid back our student debt that are pissed off about it that now we're having to, you know, 
foot the bill for because the government can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, somebody has to pay for that stuff. Um, and it you know likely will fall on the taxpayer dollars, or they can just do what they've been doing in in 2020 and certainly now with this new stimulus thing and just print more money. Yep. But there will be lawsuits. I've already I've already read some stuff. There's grumblings uh, from pissed off people, and I'll be pissed off too. Um, what else do we have? You want to yeah, get well, into that? So again, I, I like to just reiterate a reason to be optimistic. If there was one, well, thing I'm that the was pessimistic achieved, asshole on the show right. now. So, but, but if there's one thing of, that was kind of switched roles, <laughs> right? <laughs> if there was one thing that was achieved in the last four years, it was a whole bunch of judicial 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 appointments uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court level that will be a check to a lot of this nonsense. Uh, it'll lead the left to want to pack the court and all the other stuff they've already been talking about. But until they manage to pull that off, uh, you can rest assured that things like HR uh, one, that things like a, you know, national elimination of zoning laws. Uh, you'd be honest with you. I mean, we already have a national minimum wage. So if they can manage to get that signed, I, I would, I guess it would stand. Um, but a lot of this massive overreach will get checked. Uh, in fact, I think, I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but Trump or Biden's already had at least one executive order canned uh, just in the month since his inauguration. Hadn't even been a month yet. Um, but I can't remember which one it is. I'll make a point to look that up. Okay. Want to talk about the Time Magazine article? Yeah, sure. Me well, I, I mean, I didn't read the entire thing. Uh, you're the second person that had sent it to me. My brother sent it to me a couple of days ago. And then I think you sent it to me. Maybe he sent it a week or so ago, and then you sent it to me the other day. And I made it through about the first three or four paragraphs and kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit and then moved on with my life just a little more pissed off than I already was. Yeah, uh, I admit I, I didn't get around to reading the entire thing either. It's, it's a long, long-ass ex expose. It's probably... 10,000 plus words, I guess. Are you surprised that time ran that? I'm shocked. Um, but also simultaneously, not at all. Um, I was surprised when I, I started reading it and then I went back and dude, was like, wait, this was in time? I was like, I can't believe that dude, they published this. Uh, so if you go back to late last year, everybody on the quote right was was pulling their hair out. Uh, caught in what they call in this thing, you know, these fever dreams about, about interference, meddling, you know, corruption in that election cycle. Um, I think we talked about this a number of times, but when you would listen to traditional media dismiss it out of hand, they would always use the old, there's no evidence of quote widespread fraud, right? That was like a, like a force field, a, sh a shield, right? Mm -hmm. But we had pointed out, <clears throat> okay, we're, we're not we're not saying there's evidence of widespread fraud, but we do find it odd that uh, state legislation was overrode uh, by often singular, you know, the actions of singular individuals who didn't have state legislative authority to intervene right. in their election processes at all. In the case of Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. um, simultaneously, Silicon Valley uh, literally choked out the Hunter Biden story. Um, it was too late because all those mail-ins were already out. Uh, I think that Rudy 
and his team uh, made an error not making a stink about that back in like June or July. Yeah. Candidly. Um, but you know, so, so those, um, I guess those are kind of the biggest, like the point being there was, there were things happening that had never happened before during this election season that certainly contributed to the outcome and you don't have to call it fraud necessarily. Right. It was changes. It was certainly manipulation, at least on the information front. Right. Um, you know, at the same time, well, I know I would call it illegal. I don't know if you can say that that's the same thing as fraud. I'm not talking about the social media stuff. I'm talking about those uh, those positions of, you know, in governmental authority that rewrote the laws on the fly leading up to the election. That's Ill- that's illegal. That wasn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I still believe we're going to see a reckoning on that. I, you I, you can know. call it fraud. I, I don't know if you I think it's fraud, but I'm not saying and I have never said that the election outcome uh, would have been different. I don't know who does know. Uh, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist and all that shit, but there was certainly fraud. Right. Well, yeah. So there that was helped, a whole that helped the there, was, there was a whole bunch of things, a bunch of levers being pulled at the same time mm-hmm. to fa- make it easier and to facilitate a Biden victory. whole bunch of yeah, a whole bunch of Democratic turnout. Right. And and that it's interesting because that's always been a tension between the left and the right in this country. Uh, like we've talked about, the state of California doesn't even require you to show an ID to show up and vote. And they consider that requiring an ID to be, quote, voter suppression, right? right? This article we're talking about. It, it talks and you and I have talked about how easy it is to get a freaking ID. Everyone should have one. There's no excuse. Right, right. Well, no, uh, there's okay. no excuse. There's no excuse for someone in this country, bar, you know, barring the fact that you're an illegal, illegal immigrant. Uh, there's no excuse not to have some form of photo identification. But if I want to continue to try to give my opponents the benefit of the doubt, I would say that there are certainly plenty of Americans who are natural born citizens of this country who for various reasons don't have them. Um, And the more impediments and and hurdles that you put in place of voting, there is a point where that could become voter suppression, right? So just at a high thousand foot, you know, 30,000 foot view, you know, it, I think it's fair to say that conservatives would like, <laughs> you know, some level of authentication, some level of kind of burden that you have to go through to submit a vote. And the left would like none. Um, and their position on it, uh, you know, from a charitable view would be, yeah, because we want every American to have their voice heard, their vote counted. Um, but maybe from a cynical position, it might be that, well, yeah, you know, but I don't want their folks. It increases their chances, times. right? So, well, right. So, getting back to this article, we, you know, all these things have been pointed out, and and you know, people have been censored because of it. People have been deflat deplatformed for simply bringing up some of these strange things, right? This disinformation. Um, and now, and and now, anybody who who challenges um, the way the election was conducted, it gets lumped in with the guys who you know stormed the Capitol, right? Uh, and I guess are uh, labeled domestic terrorists, which we're probably going to toe the line of, except that I believe that time basically undermined that entire concept, uh, you know, at least as it applies to those of us who are just pointing out the, the oddities, pointing out the problems, pointing out the changes in law, et cetera, uh, because Time Magazine and this, late, this, this 
a contributor there named Molly Ball, uh, investigative journalist, on behalf, quote unquote, as she states in the piece, of the shadow campaign cabal, as she described them, that, quote, saved the 2020 election, has come out and admitted that all of those anomalies not only occurred, but were engineered by a, a group crossing from major unions to, uh, you know, major, uh, massive, you know, Fortune 200 to 500 corporations to, you know, the American Chamber of Commerce to uh, certain conservative and never Trump groups like uh, the, the Lincoln Project, et cetera, et cetera, that all of them coordinated for a two year period together, having Zoom calls on how to go about it to pull all of the various levers necessary to, again, as she says, save the 2020 election. So she has this quote right off the bat. She said, to the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, quote, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, she says, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests. That was a point she makes first off the bat that they managed to tamp down the protests. If you notice, right, all of a sudden around November 2nd, that all sort of stopped mm -hmm. <clears throat> and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between le left wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO, published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain, inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protests, in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. She goes on to explain, like everything I just laid out, right, that sometime in the fall of 2019, Mike Podhorzer became convinced the election was headed for disaster and determined to protect it. So what did they do? They got laws changed to allow for unprecedented mail-in voting, to allow for unprecedented, uh, uh, you know, one of the things we, we that has been pointed out, that we've pointed out, is that uh, the percentages of mail-in votes in 2016 that were dismissed due to errors uh, in some of the most crucial states, swing states were say like 8%. And despite the fact that four times more mail-ins came in this time than last time, that percentage had fallen to 2%. Right. 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 Uh, those are some of the laws that got changed. They admit in this article unequivocally that this group of this, this cabal, again, as she puts it, uh, lobbied Silicon Valley to basically regulate, downregulate, you know, quash, information specifically the hunter biden stuff she brings up um you know all, all of these things she paints that as she paints it as defense defense of the election yet at the very beginning acknowledges it, it, it that it is the conspiracy fever dream that everybody claimed it was so these people called all of us who were questioning some of these things crazy deranged conspiracy theorists and then on what's the date on this thing mm. on uh february, same four, breath, february 4th yeah uh, then on february 4th they were like hey guess what y'all were right all along 
we Joke's were, on you. <laughs> there was a cabal working behind the scenes to create an unprecedented election cycle. You know, she claims it wasn't about, uh, about the specific outcome. It was just about, about securing the quote election. Yeah, this is crazy because here she is admitting it basically about the same time that that big tech is trying to cover their tracks and, and right. putting out some bullshit NYU study that they exactly. paid for saying that, oh, there is no censorship. This didn't really happen. But here she is writing it in Time magazine saying, yes, it absolutely happened. If that doesn't take you back to 1984, uh, you know, right. It's it's um, it's gaslighting of the highest order. They they called everybody who dared question any of these things unpatriotic racist. uh you know yeah authoritarian racist da 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 uh and you know conspiracy theorists and then you know after calling everybody that challenged these issues a conspiracy theorist for 90 days they're like oh actually y'all were right uh this was all done intentionally but it was for everybody's own good y'all should thank us it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah you're right i should thank you okay cool <laughs> I, I i didn't realize i should but I, uh, clearly right. that's the thing because i you you know, my bad. I, I your Jedi mind trick worked. I I don't know what can we freaking do about it now. You know, yeah. everybody should read this article. I'll definitely put it in the show notes. It is. I'm gonna finish it. Uh, it is astounding, the absolute huevos that it took for this lady to write this thing, dude. Like I said, she says in there, she names these people, she names these titans of industry and these leaders of these these unions and leaders of some of the organizations that were involved in the protests and things. She, she names them, names the, you know, specifies that they were, like I said, holding zoom calls to make sure that all of these agendas were met. Mm-hmm. And then, and then says that they want this story told. So like I they're literally telling everybody, yeah, we're in control and there ain't a effing thing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. They're just, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just saying it. They're calling yeah. their shot after the fact. I guess calling their, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, again, I'm shocked that uh, the time ran this thing. That, well, I mean, has anyone that's been named in the article or, or any entity, company, exec, CEO, any of these people come out and said that this is inaccurate? That'd be interesting, man. I, know. you know, I, I, I wish I would have. Because you of, would think that if she's over here slandering someone or saying something that's not true about them, or, you know, you would, you would have thought that this would have been a bigger deal. I mean, to your point, I, I heard about it on, oh, one of the conservative podcasts I listened to, a couple mm-hmm. of them actually. Um, I didn't, I don't watch cable news. I don't even go to Google News anymore. Um, but, um. I don't know that any left-leaning media is even acknowledging it's out there. I don't know. My guess would be... I'm certainly a left-leaning... I mean, obviously. I mean, the, the, just read the article. It's abundantly clear. It is. Um, it's a gloating article. It's just yeah. like, why yeah, I mean, it, it, really, it out there? It, it really is, man. It, it really is. Let's see. So if you Google time article on election the right now. Institute's work helped 37 states in D.C. bolster mail-in voting. And that's just a, just, a, huh, it's just a little, the first sentence I read, I was actually looking for the date on this thing. It's February 4th. Uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative chipped in $300 million. I mean, this it goes on and on. 
Yeah, so if you go to Google News right now, like google.com slash news or to the news tab, when I first Googled Time article on election, uh, here's the first, uh, here, here's a series of, of the first headlines that were relevant, relevant to Time article on election. New York Times, Georgia prosecutors open criminal inquiry into Trump's efforts to subvert election. New York Times, why thousands of Republicans are leaving the party. New York Times, 77 days, Trump can, Trump's campaign to subvert the election. New York Times, three false claims about the election made in Mike Lindell's new film. New York Times, Mike Flynn reemerges, pushing QAnon, stolen, blah, blah, blah. Don't say anything about the Time article at all. So I clarified it. I said Time Molly Ball article on election. First article is the Time article. Then you see National Review, a conservative outlet, one of the ones I podcast I was listening to where they talked about it. The Wall Street Journal, Fox, I guess there's an Austin American Statesman article up that says it's a commentary. The new propaganda is to censor conservative voices. That's good to see out of the great state of Texas's most uh, left-leaning city uh, publication. I guess to the point, though, literally not a single. Here's a Bloomberg, Bloomberg article where they touch on it. Not a single non-quote conservative news outlet uh, with a headline on this article other than the article itself. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that is very, very interesting. So I would say, yeah, well, if, if they're not commenting on it, because if if it pissed them off and fired them up and they were like, no, that's not true, then they'd be saying that. So that's pretty damning evidence in and of itself. Yeah, the only um, the I'm looking at an article from Yahoo, which I'll include, where they're kind of pointing out like, what was she doing here? What was Time doing here? Like, why are they making this sound like it's okay that this massive like abusive player, some guy named Dan McLaughlin, mm-hmm. yesterday published an article? But so yeah, the only the only again non like the only thing other than Fox the um. By the outlets I just outlined, yeah, that that, that even acknowledged it on the first page of that well, Yahoo Google search. Would everybody, go read the article. Yeah. Like I said, I threw up in my mouth after about four paragraphs, uh, but I will finish it as well because it is eye-opening to say to to realize that all those fears were accurate and and the things that they called people who believe who who took issue with some of the stuff that was going on, things that we talked about on this podcast. The things that they called us, the way that they ostracized us, vilified us, censored us, and then for her to come out and say, oh, yeah, that's it, it all was true. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. So, so I went to CNN's website, and I typed into their search bar, Molly Ball, and it does not appear they have a single piece about it. <laughs> so they're not yeah, acknowledging but, but they're, it. But they're a news outlet. There has to be, I, I, I mean, my assumption would be that people on the left are just as effing confused about why she would have put that out there, you know, as we are right now. If I sent that to my woke brother and said, here, read this, what, I bet he would just dismiss it as, oh, that's just an opinion piece. So what? Well, he got the outcome he wanted, right? So, yeah. But it's funny because on election night, he had already texted me, congratulations, I guess Trump won. (laughs) (laughs) Then we all went to bed and woke up to a totally different reality. 
Um, whoa. All right. Can you hear we me? all read that, that article. I don't really have anything else for today, man. I'm going to probably, I need to, if anyone knows where I can buy like an uh, American flag blanket or something, so I can just, it's cold right now. Uh, I think I'd like just to like maybe walk up and down the street wearing that thing. <sighs> I don't know. Just need a little national pride chism. Not seeing much yep. of it these days. Not just not seeing it, it's being condemned. Right. No, that's the um that's the shocking, disgruntling part of it. Um, you know, like you were saying, people who tell you stop being political and your favorite basketball team decides to stop playing the national anthem. It's like <laughs> what? Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to end it on a major low. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but uh, oh, I certainly enjoyed the conversation, as always, my friend. Same here. Uh, it's almost turkey season. How about that? I'll lift your yeah. spirits. It's almost. Turkey. Oh, back on a high. All almost right. Almost turkey Good. season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you guys and gals for tuning in to episode 21 of Justified Pursuit. Please subscribe. Give us a, a nice review on Spotify, iTunes, I guess Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. We certainly appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Gobble, gobble, gobble. I went down to the city bank to put back in what the bills and the tax man takes. In the line next to me, I caught a man looking down at the bottom of my jeans. I said, hey man, ain't it great to be living and working hard in the USA? Oh yeah, by the way, these are my boots. Same size my grandpa wore. When he called for me